Welcome to another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yalbron, lead pastor of One Community Church located in El Dorado, Arkansas. For information about the ministry of Pastor Jason or One Community Church, please visit our website at occeldorado.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching One Community Church El Dorado. Man, it's just so good to be. Man, y'all look good this morning. If that's, ain't nobody told you. Y'all look good. So honored and privileged, as always, to be here with you and uh, to bring the word. I just want to honor, as always, your, your pastors. Amen. The, uh, Pastor Jason, Alicia. All that they do, all that God has placed in their heart, the vision that is being carried out uh, here at One Community Church. And so it's just a privilege to be here. How many of y'all love your pastors? Come on. Amen, amen. I want to honor you this morning as well, though, when they talked about the, uh, the, the Christmas party, whatever, for all the volunteers. And they said, if you volunteer, you're part of a connect group or whatever it was. Raise your hand. I looked over. Man, a lot of you guys are servants. So well done. Well done, good and faithful servants. Amen. You're doing it. You're being a part of building the kingdom of God right here before Jesus comes back. And so uh, it's, it's an awesome time to be alive. Amen. Well, I've got an exciting word with you this morning, and um, I'm just excited about bringing it to you. And uh, we're going we're gonna to get right into the word of God. I'm going to um, kind of have an opener here this morning hopefully kind of solidify some of the things um, of, that I'm going to be ministering to you to this morning. Uh, before we do, though, let's open with a joke, amen, why not, you know? Uh, so there was, a, let me think of the one I was going to tell you. There was this old couple that was sitting on a bench. They were swinging in the front yard, just enjoying some time together. And the wife looked over at the husband and said, you remember... I used to hold my hand, and so he reached over and grabbed her hand. A couple minutes later, said, you remember how you used to kiss me on the cheek? So he leans over and gives her a nice kiss on the cheek. She said, you remember how you used to nibble on my ear? Without delay, he got up and walked away. She said, where are you going? He said, to get my teeth. Come on, somebody. Amen. (laughs) Y'all thought that joke was going somewhere. Amen. All right. Bless the reading of your word this morning, Lord. Amen. (laughs) You probably don't remember, but back in February of this year, I brought a word called, Does It Matter? I believe is what it was entitled, talking about your belief system. And I bring that up this morning because I believe that as... um, as we're, the word that I'm going to bring to you this morning will tie into that, that thought. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13, it says, and verse 14, it says in the Passions translation, remember to stay alert and, firm, and hold firmly to all that you believe. Be mighty and full of courage. You could almost say that this is the the command, this is the expectation that God has for the body of Christ in the time that we're living in. This is not an end time message, but I do believe that when we stepped over the threshold of 2020, we stepped into a new season, a new time period. It goes on to say in verse 14, it says, let love and kindness, I love this, be the motivation Behind all that you do. How many of y'all know that we could 
Use some more of the, the reminding of walking in love, especially with the way that everything is going on in the world today. You could be moved to a place of aggression because of people's attitudes and their responses. But God's encouraging us that we would have a motivation of love behind everything that we do. 2023 was a year, I believe, where God was encouraging his church to wake up. Because 2020, because of back in 2020, the Lord told me before that, he said, this will be a year of the great distraction. And as we saw that in 2020, the COVID came and, and began to change our lives like had never been seen before. Churches were shut down, lives were altered, political agendas were, were pushed. And I believe that there was this, and the reason that, that God told me that 2020 would be the year of the great distraction because any time that God begins to do something, any time that God sends forth his word, the devil immediately, according to Mark chapter 5, he begins to try to bring distraction or come to steal the word of God. And when we stepped over that threshold, a new season, a new time, the devil immediately began to respond to what God was beginning to do in the earth. And he encouraged his church to wake up. Isaiah chapter 60 says this in the Message Bible. I love this. Get out of bed, Jerusalem. Or you could say, get out of bed, the church, and wake up. Why? Because I believe that in 2024, God's been speaking to me, as, uh, as Daniel was just talking about a word for the new year. But I believe that 2024 will require those in the kingdom of God to take what has been promised by force and by faith. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35 says, Therefore do not cast away your confidence. This word in the Hebrew, I'm just giving you a foundation here, so stick with me. If this is your first time to one community, don't judge the church on my account. Come back. Here the pastor. Pastor Jason is a phenomenal minister. You'll never be disappointed. Amen. So don't judge the church on my account. But I want to lay some foundation. Because this word confidence here means unreservedness of utterance. To speak without ambiguity, clarity, and to speak plainly. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence or your boldness of speech, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Verse 39 goes on to say, but we are not of those who draw back. We are not of those that draw back to perdition or destruction, but those who believe to the saving of the soul. We are living in a time, listen to this, of acceleration and application. And my encouragement to us today, body of Christ, is simply this, is that God has encouraged us to wake up because in 2024, I believe that there is going to be a demand upon the body of Christ not to stand back in observation or as a spectator, but rather because of the, the knowledge of what God has accomplished and produced on the inside of every person that has made Jesus Christ the Lord of their life to begin to walk in the fullness of of that power and that authority. Do not be, don't allow the, the, this casual mindset that you're just going to coast through life. 
The enemy is out to resist, to bring opposition to the vision, the mission of Jesus Christ. And he has set himself against you. But how many of y'all know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? If I can just say it this plainly to you this morning, you win. Come on, somebody. I said you win. We are not those that draw back and that are doubting, but we are getting into position. Everybody say, get into position. We are getting into position fully supplied to accomplish the will of God. Everything the devil is doing in the world is to bring God's word into question. Everything that the devil is doing in this world, the Antichrist spirit is to bring God's word into question. In the Garden of Eden, Satan questioned God's word to Adam and Eve. When Jesus was tempted in Luke chapter 4 in the wilderness, uh, Satan brought question to the word of God. Everything about the enemy is trying to get you to question and to draw back, to begin to live in doubt if this word that God has given you actually holds the ability and the power to bring salvation to every area of your life. There's going to have to be a solidification. There has to be an appropriation. You taking exclusive possession of the realities of who your God is, what he's given you, what he's destined you, and begin to live in that confidence, that bold utterance that my God is for me. Well, but there's a a dark cloud a-brewing. Let it brew. I heard the other day, I heard the other day there's another virus over in China, wherever they're making these things. And this one's going to attack the children. Listen to me. I'm going to show you some things this morning that it doesn't matter what disease is released. It doesn't matter what plague is coming. I'm here today to tell you that no weapon that can be formed against you can prosper. It may be going around, but it will just do that. It goes around me. It can't touch me. It can't come near me. This is not just preaching, but it is a reality. I'm coming down here because I feel like getting off the mountain this morning. This is a reality of who your God is and who lives on the inside of you. But we can't just let this be the preaching of the word. It has to become the reality of what we live in, that every day when I wake up, there's something that is in me that knows the devil is shaking. The devil is quivering. Why? Because another child of God has woke up knowing who their God is and what lives on the inside of them. Man, that's good preaching. Keep it going, son. Let's go. Everything the devil is doing in the world is to bring God's word into question. Watch this. To get you to become casual, complacent, and calloused to the life of God that is in you. I want to say it again. is to bring you to a place where you're casual. Casual Christianity. No urgency, no awareness of the life of God that lives on the inside of you. Casual, complacent, and calloused 
to the life of God. Romans chapter 8, I believe it is, it says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Come on, somebody. Has taken up residence on the inside of you. God is not looking down from heaven. And a lot of the songs that you hear on the radio today, you would think that God is looking down from heaven, deciding whether or not he's going to bless you or bring any change to your situation. But I'm here today to tell you God is not distant. God is not evaluating you. God has taken up residence on the inside of you. He lives in you. You have become a carrier of the anointing, the yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of God. It's resident inside of you. Why is that important? Because now no longer are you a victim to the, to, the, to the ploys and just the casual coasting of this world. But now you are a beacon of hope. There is, there's a solidification on the inside of you. Not because of something you've done, but because of the living God that has taken residence inside of you. God lives inside of you. Someone said to me, Recently, over a meal, they were asking me about my ministry, what I do. I'm telling them just generally, I'm not a good promoter. <laughs> I just, let's talk about you. You know what I mean? It's like you're on that date, the girl keeps talking and talking, and she finally says, enough about me. What do you think about me? <laughs> it's like, okay. I just, I don't like doing it, you know? Um, what was I talking about? <laughs> I bet it was going to be good, though. You know what I mean? Amen. 46. It's been the greatest year of my life. I love it. Amen. Oh, I know what I was going to say. So I'm having dinner. Thank God for notes. I'm having dinner with this, this person. Tell them about my ministry. They're asking questions. <clears throat> and they say, well, you're just one of those feel-good preachers. As if there should be any other type of preacher. Listen to me. If you hear the gospel and it doesn't make you glad... It's not gospel. I said, I'm not a feel-good preacher. I'm a victory preacher. I believe in an absolute gospel, a finished work of Jesus Christ. You're not going to hear me come in, pat you on the back, say, it's going to be all right, Tiger. Just stick it out. Hang in there. Maybe God will bless you. It's okay. Here's some Kleenex. If anything, I'm probably going to be like, pick yourself up by the bootstraps. Come on, somebody, and get a backbone. Why? Because God's for you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Because I make light of the poise of the enemy. Because my God defeated death, hell, and the grave. I will not give any attention to the sickness, disease, the poverty, the lack, the things the devil tries to do to stop his, the church of the living God. I will magnify the king of kings, and I'll make big of who he is is you're just a feel-good preacher amen tag me got it t-shirt feel-good preacher come on somebody Woo! glory to god why because we win we win so with that said look at luke chapter 13 hallelujah luke chapter i told myself dustin just stay calm just be good keep a nice cadence i haven't done haven't done that so far amen if you're taking notes this morning, 
And statistically speaking, people who take notes are more likely not to go to hell. Amen. So just write this stuff down. It'll help you. (laughs) I love that. Okay. Luke chapter 13 and verse 10. This is going to set us up. Oh, that was my my opener, my appetizer. I want to bring you to the, the title of my message this morning is you are loosed. You are loosed. In Luke chapter 13, we're going to start in verse 10. We find Jesus, he's preaching in a synagogue. It says there, Luke chapter 10, I'm sorry, 13, verse 10. Now, he was teaching in one of the synagogues. What synagogue was it? We don't know. It was one of them. (laughs) On the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. You're going to find out with Jesus, it doesn't matter how aggressive the sickness is. It doesn't matter how long you've been with the sickness or the sickness has been with you. It does not intimidate Jesus. He doesn't take it into account and doesn't look at the size of the issue to, to factor in whether or not it is possible. 18 years and was bent over and could in no ways, watch this, raise herself up. That's huge. I'm going to talk about that here in a minute. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately, everybody say immediately. Immediately she was made straight. I want you to see that. She was made straight and glorified God. How could Jesus be so bold in his speech? Jesus is standing there, and I don't think this was a moment where Jesus was filled with compassion for this woman. I think it was more an aggravation of standing there declaring the word of God, ministering the word of God, and seeing this woman who was a child of Abraham, a one that had covenant with God that was being oppressed of the enemy. And the Bible says that she could in no ways raise herself up. And he took immediate action. He paused the message. He he stopped the, 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 the preaching of the word to address this issue with this woman. Revelations chapter 13 and verse 8 says, The lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. What does this mean? That there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. There is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. What is the curse of the law? It's sickness and disease, it's poverty and lack, and most importantly, it's spiritual separation from the Father. When Jesus came and redeemed you, and redemption, the word redemption, if I could just make it so simple for you, it means to be loosed, released, and set free. I've been redeemed. What's that mean? I've been loosed. I've been set free, and I've been released from the hold of the enemy. 
It has no grip in my life. Anytime sickness and disease tries to attach itself to your body, your, the natural mind would try to bring an excuse of why that it's there. Well, it's because you made a bad decision, or this is hereditary. It runs in the family. But when you have made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, the bloodline changes. You've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. I am no longer what I want was but now I have been made the child of the living God I have been redeemed what does it mean the grip of whatever the enemy has to try to hold me captive no longer has a grip in my life I've been released I've been loosed and I've been set free Psalms 103 verses 2 through 5 says this you know these verses bless the Lord oh my soul And forget not all of his benefits. Okay, what are the benefits? Y'all ready for this? What are his benefits? Who forgives all your iniquities. Not some of them. Not 50% of them, not even 99%, but there's that one I'm still deliberating on. I don't know. I mean, you really messed up on that one. God says, I forgive you of all your iniquities. How could he say that? How does he have the ability to forgive you of your sins? Because the blood of Jesus satisfies the demand of justice. Anytime the devil comes in and tries to condemn you, and I'm going to read you a verse, and tries to convince you that you belong in the state and the position that you're in, you got to start saying, it's the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus. It's redeem me, loose me. It's set me free. It set me free. He forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies your mouth with good things. Did you know in the Hebrew there's no word for things? In my Bible, that, the word things is italicized. But if you study it out, it will agree with this thought that he satisfies your mouth with good words. Jeremiah chapter 1, God said, I'll put my words in your mouth. What is that? That is that declaration, that that confident utterance of speech. That confident utterance of speech that we have in him. Because he satisfies my mouth with good words so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Amplified Bible says, you become strong, overcoming, and soaring. Listen to me, I believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. There is nothing in your life that the blood of Jesus has not cleansed, has not healed, has not satisfied, has not raised you up to a place of perfection in him. Remember the woman in Luke chapter 13 that says, and no way could raise herself up. Listen to this, your breakthrough is not in your perfection. The devil's always going to try to get you to self-evaluate your life. 
Listen to me. He's always going to point out to you the inadequacies and the deficiencies of your spiritual walk with God. Listen to me. God is a God of jealousy. He loves you. He's passionate about his relationship with you. God will always want more. Why? Because he loves you. And God is always beckoning you. He's always wooing you. He's always calling you into an intimate working relationship with his spirit and his word. But God is not judging you because you didn't get up and read 12 chapters and intercede for 15 hours. Where's your commitment, soldier? If you get up and just meditate upon one verse... My biggest thing, and I've said it here before and I'll say it again, your relationship with God is usually just you acknowledging him. Not ignoring him, but acknowledging his presence in your life. Every day you get up, Father, I acknowledge you. I thank you that you're for me. Everything I set my hand to prosper, succeeds, and is blessed. That's the simple reality that it is from that acknowledgement that his presence, his guidance, his direction, his counsel begins to flow and operate in your life. Your breakthrough is not in your perfection, listen to this, but in the completion and finished work of Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. It's not about you. I've said that before, but I want you to hear that. You're going to have to get off that mentality that some, some way your, your deliverance, your breakthrough is dependent upon your perfection or what you do right. Well, I was going to bless you, but you kicked the dog last night and lost your temper. <laughs> Deal's off. I was, gonna, I was really going to start promoting you at work, but you yelled at your wife. Done, deal, I'm sorry. It's like, no, it don't work that way. Yes, God wants you to begin to allow who you are in him to become, uh, to grow, to be instructed in righteousness, to begin to operate on the level that he's called you to. But your perfection is not the, the solution to your situation. It's your eyes on Jesus. Daily renewing of your mind to Christ's victory over sin and death is what will put you over. The renewal of your mind that Jesus went to hell and defeated death, hell, and the grave. That Jesus went down in Colossians and made an open spectacle of the enemy. He put, if I can say it this way, kind of lighthearted, he put uh, Satan in a headlock. And gave him a noogie and say, you ain't going to mess with my kids no longer. Come on, somebody. You ought to look at the things of the enemy and laugh. I'm in the process of trying to sell a house right now. And we had a contract on the house, which is awesome. Praise God. Things were moving along, and for, for this reason... My realtor called me and said, man, I got some bad news for you. What's going on? He's like, contract's falling through. The guy had switched jobs. He's only been at his job for like nine months, and they want a year of solid income. I was like, well, that's silly. He's like, oh, man, I'm sorry. 
I said, it only means God's got something better. See, when you have an understanding of who your God is, things don't move you. You're steadfast, unmovable. You go to the doctor, you've got the worst cancer known to man. I'm not praising God for the cancer. It's trespassing on, uh, on, 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 on holy ground. Come on, somebody. But I get to begin to magnify God. Why? Because my God is greater than that diagnosis. I'm not moved by the circumstance. I'm moved by the word of God. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10, listen to this through 11, says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. It's here now. We have it. For the accuser of our brethren, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been cast down. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the devil. The devil's not a big bad guy walking around just doing whatever he chooses. He's been cast down. He's been defeated. His teeth has been yanked. And he's standing before God trying to accuse you. Nobody likes a tattletale. Come on, somebody. God don't like it either. He's up there tattletaling. God said, get on out of here. I ain't got time to hear all that. Why? Because God's not looking for the accusation. He's already solidified your identification. It's in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. There is no sin. There is no failure. There is no diagnosis or addiction that Christ has not liberated you from. I'm going to say it again. There's no sin. Oh, you don't know what I've done, brother. You're right. God does, and he ain't moved by it. No sin, no failure, no diagnosis or addiction that Christ has not liberated you from. You have been loosed. You've been set free. And you've been liberated from the grip of the enemy. It's like the stain on your shirt. You're eating a good hot dog. Enjoying it like every good American would. Mustard right there on your white t-shirt. Glory to God. You do your best to take the ice cube in the water, try to get it out, right? You wash it, but don't dry it. That sets the stain if you don't know that. You look at it, it's still bright yellow like you're slowing down at a street. Come on. What do you do? You shout it out. Come on, somebody. You get some shout out. You spray it on there. Why? Because it is the stain remover. It lifts the grip of the mustard and makes the, the shirt white as snow. Psalms 107 verse 2 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. When the devil starts trying to point out the stain, the fault, the failure in your life, what do you do? You shout it out. I am redeemed. I've been set free from the grip of the enemy. You can't hold a good man down. It's like when you step on gum, on, you get gum on your shoe. Or you're driving down the road and gum get, takes from the tire, come on, you know you love this, and slings it down the side of your car. The more you pick at it, you get a stick the more it gets on your fingers, it, gets on, it just stretches. It's going everywhere. 
aggravation is climbing to an all-time high. Come on, somebody. And you're thinking, what special individual thought it was a good idea to take their bubblicious, come on, somebody, and throw it on the ground so that I could have a present today? Who was it? I would love to meet them. What do you do? You get you a nice bottle. Come on, somebody, of Gooby Gone. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? You get your rag, you start wiping it on there. What happens? The gum that seemed to stick to everything, the thing that kept spreading to every area of your life, your shoe, your, your hands, the towel, has now lost its grip. What once was stuck to you has been released. God is like Gooby gone. I'm telling you, the blood of Jesus, that thing that's trying to grip you, hold you back from fulfilling the plan and the destiny that God has for your life. If you'll just apply the blood of Jesus, the thing that satisfies the demand of justice, I'm telling you, you will walk free. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So how do we get into position to accomplish the will of God? How do we step in in these last days, not as spectators, but participants to what God's doing in this earth? Number one, if you're taking notes, write these down. Know Jesus as your substitution. Know Jesus as your substitution. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 says, For he was made, I'm sorry, for he made him who? Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. Why? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Psalms 92, 15 says, In him is no unrighteousness at all. I'm not unrighteous. I've been declared the righteousness of God. It's the substitution. Jesus became my sin. He became my wrong. Everything that alienated me from the presence of God, Jesus became that so that I could be made whole. I could be made righteous. What does it mean to be righteous? It means that, that I have the opportunity and the privilege to stand in the presence of God without the sense of guilt or shame. There is no hanging of the head when you've understood that Jesus became your substitute. Many Christians are like that man at the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5. When Jesus asked him, do you want to be made well? His response was an excuse. Here Jesus is the prince of life, standing there saying, do you want to be made well? And he had, or he responded with an excuse. He said, the sick man answered him saying, sir, I have no man to put me into the water. If you understand or remember the story the pool of Bethesda was this pool that was set up amongst five porches. And the Bible says the, the porches were full of sick and lame people. And at a certain time, an angel would come down and move the, the, the water, the moving of the water. And the first one in the water was instantly made healed. This man is, lived, sat here, the Bible says, for 35 years he was in this condition. And was experiencing this, 
this affliction. And Jesus said, do you want to be made well? And he began to give an excuse. I have no man. I want to encourage you this morning. Stop waiting for a move and expecting someone else to get you to it. And start making a move. Start living in him, in the power of God, in the full power, authority, and the ability of Jesus Christ. I like to say it this way. I'm not waiting for a move. I create them. I'm not waiting for something special. I'm not looking for, a, 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 you know, like if I could just get to pastor, I know he could pray for me. Pastor will pay, pray for you. And he's anointed. He might cast the devil out of you too. I don't know. You may need it. I don't know. I'm just kidding. But we've got to get away from this mentality of looking and needing something and begin to solidify the reality of who's on the inside of you. My life does not require, listen to this, this, is, this, is gonna, this will challenge your mind real quick, okay? Because all of us need miracles. I get it, I could use a miracle. But here's what I want to challenge you to. My life doesn't require a miracle. It produces them. The way that I live my life does not require a miracle. I'm not living from miracle to miracle. Oh, kumbaya, God just come by here. No. I'm not expecting a miracle so that I can keep on living. I have the life of God in me. Therefore, I create the move. I am the miracle. See, that challenged the religious mindset because the religious mind, who do you think you are there, big buckaroo? You know, <laughs> I'm a child of the most high God. Number two, know Jesus as your identification. It's a big question nowadays to say, ask somebody, how do you identify? How do you identify? Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 says, It is no longer I who live, but Christ, what? Lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live, is it up here? And, and which I now live, I live in flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What does that mean? His death solidified my freedom. It is no longer I who lives. It's no longer what I can do. It's no longer my perfection. The Bible said there in Luke 13, the woman could no, could no way raise herself up. Listen to me. It doesn't matter how many self-help books you read. You can't help yourself. Without Jesus, you'll come up short every single time. But when Jesus is in the boat, come on, somebody. All things or possible. How you identify, listen, how you identify is how you find solution for your situation. The thing that you're going through, the obstacle, the, the oppression, the resistance of the enemy that he has placed in your life that seems impossible, that seems, I don't know how we're going to get through this. We don't know how we're going to make this. How you identify brings clarity and solution to your situation. Because I'm not an old sinner that is bound by the oppression of the enemy. I've been moved out of that kingdom. 
I am now a righteous son and daughter of the Most High God. Mark chapter 5, starting verse 25, y'all know the story. It talks about the woman with the issue of blood. How she pressed through the crowd. And she said, the Amplified Bible says she kept saying, if I can touch but the hem of his garment. Most preaching has always looked at and identified you and me as the woman with the issue of blood. And you've had great preachers crawling across stages, come on, you know, putting drama into it, saying if you'll just keep on and keep on and reach out and touch the hem of his garment, you will be healed. I want to give you a paradigm shift this morning that you shouldn't be identifying with the woman with the issue, but rather with Jesus. I think we need to, I've been, I've been preaching that where it's like we don't identify with her, but we identify with Jesus. But I got to thinking about it because of some things that are God stirring in my heart. We need the determination, the tenacity of the woman with the issue of blood, but the identification of Christ. I am determined. I am pushing. Nothing's going to stop me from doing the plan and will that God has for my life. But it's not because of my effort. It's because I identify as, as he is, so am I in this world. 1 John chapter 4, 17. I am not confined, listen, captured, crushed, or crippled. John 17, 23 says, I have been made one with Christ. 1 John 2, 6 says, I am to walk as he walked. If I am as he is, then his mission is my mission. If I am as he is, and I'm to walk as he walked, then his mission, his call, has now become my mission and my call. What is that? What is the mission? What is the call? 1 John chapter 3, and verse 8 says, The Son of Man was revealed to undo and destroy the works of the devil. You and I are called as the body of Christ, the body of the anointing, that we are to go about undoing and destroying the works of the enemy, not in and of ourselves, but not by might, not by power, but by the resurrection life of the Spirit of God that lives on the inside of me. See, what happens is when you hear this kind of preaching, it takes your focus off of you and your situation and begins to say, God's dealt with that. I don't have to give attention to that. I don't have to give time to that. Why? Because I don't have to worry. God's got that. He's made provision. He's made wealth, health, everything that I need. God's got that. So now what happens? I begin to renew my mind to who lives in me, who I am in Christ, and now I am a a, a man on mission looking for other people that the devil's harassing to say, how dare you mess with a child of God? That's not the mission of the preacher. That's the mission of the body of Christ. What would happen if all of us would rise up with a confident speech? I've been redeemed. Satan has no hold over me. And begin to walk about laying hands on the sick, watching people recover, raising the dead. Why? Because there's a confident expectation. I'm telling you, the body of Christ in 2024 needs to become a bold, uh, 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 aggressive body.
parents, you'll understand this. Somebody messes with your kids. It's kind of like, I don't care if the guy's 350. Looks like he's off a WWE. You mess with my kids, I'm coming at you like a spider monkey. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm going to do my best. I'm jacked up on Mountain Dew, brother. Let's go time. It's no different in the kingdom of God. God doesn't take it lightly when the devil messes with his children. He doesn't play fair. He plays till he wins. And when we get that mentality about the body of Christ, we get that idea that Jesus has already defeated death, hell, and the grave. I'm coming in this battle not to see if I win, but know that I have already won. Number three, know Jesus as your justification or being declared righteous. Romans chapter 5, verse 17, I'm wrapping up with this. Romans chapter 5, 17 through 18 says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, speaking of Adam, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will what? Reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. God's called you to reign in life. Not tolerate life. Not barely make it by in life. Begin to soar, overcome, and be confident in who your God is. To reign in life. Verse 18 says, therefore, as through the one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, speaking of Jesus, the free gift came to all men, resulting in the justification of life. Listen, your wellness, your provision starts with the decision to believe God in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Your wellness, your provision, your breakthrough starts with a decision to believe God, to believe God's word and the finished work of Jesus Christ. My mission today, my message today, church, is simply this. Whatever the devil's tried to speak to you, to put on you, I'm here today to tell you, you're loosed. You've been set free. You've been delivered. And it's not just a, a word of uh, 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 wishing. It's a declaration of authority based on who Jesus is and what he accomplished. If you'll begin to renew yourself, renew your mind and begin to shout out the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, that he set me free. The stain, the grip, the hold, the gooey mess that has tried to attach itself to your life will begin to fall away. To where you wake up in the morning and the, and the voice of the enemy, the, 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 the distraction that he's trying to bring of your demise, your failure, how it's not going to work, how it's not going to come to pass, becomes a faint, distant white noise in the background. It almost puts you to sleep. Come on, somebody. Why? Because you've been renewed to the reality that as he is, so am I in this world. We win every time. So with that said this morning, Danny, if I have you come up, 
as an act of faith. I had this in my spirit. If you're dealing with some kind of a sickness or disease, can you, can you leave the lights up for a little bit? I know that sets the mood, but I, I just want, I want everyone to say that. We don't, just leave the lights. There you go. Perfect. If you're here this morning and you're dealing with some type of a sickness or disease or an issue, as an act of faith, I want you to take a step and come down forward here. And as Jesus did with that woman that was bent over and no ways could raise herself up, I'm going to agree with you. This isn't about let's see how anointed Dustin is. I want to see if I feel a tingle. This is about you coming into a place where you no longer tolerate the lie and the deception or the, the temptation that this is something that you have to put up with. This is not God trying to teach you something. I, I can't, I don't have time to patty cake with you. That is a lie from the pit of hell. God doesn't put sickness and disease on you to teach you anything. It is the enemy trying to hold you back from fulfilling the will of God. So if you're here this morning, you say, I just won't deliver. Maybe it's, maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a, a mental thing that you just haven't been able to overcome. I want you to make your way down. I'm not going to do anything but just walk up to you as an act of faith and say, you are loosed in Jesus' name. If you want that this morning, if you want to believe God as an act of faith, I invite you now, come to the altar. Come to the altar, and I will agree with you. You'll walk out of this place different than the way you came in. But here's the mentality as you come that I want you to have. This isn't coming to see, will I be set free? Is this my day? I want you to come with the recognition. This is me drawing a line in the sand that says I will no longer be held by this. I will no longer allow the enemy to keep me captive, to hold me down. I am loose. The Bible says that Jesus laid his hands on the woman that was bent over for those 13 years. And immediately she was set free. Immediately set free. Stand with me, church. Reach your hands out towards these people as an act of faith. Let's rally together. Put, see yourselves linking arms. This has to do with that mentality of how dare you mess with my brother and my sister. This is why you keep people, the Bible says in Psalms uh, 27, 17, or Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron. You ought to surround people around you that don't patty cake with you. When you call them, you say, hey, man, man, I'm feeling down. I'm, I'm feeling, feeling sick. Oh, brother. Hey, man, I, I think I'm about to lose my job. What? Oh, yeah, they're making cuts at work. Dude, what do you, what, you don't want the friend on the other end of the phone. But, bro, what are you going to do? I don't know, man. I don't need somebody to cry with me. When the devil attacks your life, I went through some hell recently, and one of my best friends, when I call him up, he wouldn't cry with me. He'd listen to me, because how many of y'all know we got to spill sometimes? You know what I'm saying? Let me tell you what's going on. You know what he would have come back with every single time? This is why he's in my life. He would say, Dustin, you're strong. He said, Dustin, you're strong. 
The life of God lives inside of you. You're going to make it. You're going over. You're not going under. I, you need people that will, that will link up with you that when you call them, they don't patty cake. They don't, they don't just, uh, they don't cry with you. They begin to speak the word of God. They begin to get righteously angry and say, how dare the devil mess with you? Come on, brother. Come on, sister. We're going to link arms. We're going to speak God's word. We're going to confess. We're going to believe God. You're going to come out of this thing. You're going over. You're going to be who God's called you to me nothing's gonna stop you you'll live and not die and declare the works of the ever-living God that's not just good preaching that is the reality of the redemptive work of Christ that has been solidified in the throne room of heaven for your life come on church let's pray father in the name of Jesus Father, I thank you as an act of faith, just like you did in Luke chapter 13 for that woman. As I lay hands on these individuals, that God, there is an anointing. There is a power that is being released. That the grip of the enemy, just like shout out, goo be gone, is released, is broken by the blood of Jesus Christ. You're loosed in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, you're loosed. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to join us next week for another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yarbrough and One Community Church of El Dorado.